the slack is the name was an accident. It's just because a lot of people call, uh, called some of the guys in the band slackers. They were like, yeah, you're a bunch of slackers. And then, you know, anyway. Yeah, but it was before the word became the, the word that it became, mm -hmm. you know. And we were actually kind of worried about that because, you know, it would be kind of a drag to be associated with too much like Simpsons uh, kind of yeah, right. era. Hello, welcome to Talking Records. My name is Jed, and I'm here with my good friend and former bandmate, Josh. Oh, former bandmate. Former. <laughs> oh. Band's not around anymore. I suppose it's true. Are we getting the band back together? I don't know. Maybe we should get the band. My amp's downstairs. I think I'm too old to bring it up the stairs. <laughs> I think the band fizzled when the equipment got too heavy. <laughs> Talking Records is a podcast devoted to connecting with friends over records we love. Today, Josh and I will be talking about the Slackers' 2006 album, Peculiar. So Josh, obviously you and I bonded over a lot of music. We were carpooling out to shows a lot and practices. You're the only person I've ever known who had a mini disc player. I did. I did. That thing was... I, it's weird. It was like really cool technology, but like just a smidge ahead of its time, I think. Mm. Jeez. Yeah, I used to run that thing through like the cassette adapter in my old Toyota pickup. <laughs> So I had like a whole bunch of slacker stuff uh, ripped off from the radio station because we used to get the free. All right. Well, free. They weren't meant for us. Yeah. They were meant for the station. Um, <laughs> promo copies of stuff when things would come out like, geez, Red Light, I want to say, The Question, mm -hmm. those couple of early, well, early, earlier slackers records. Right. Um, and I just used to just rip that stuff straight to the, the mini disc player. And that was my main source of audio i mean it's pre-mp3 player mm -hmm. all right well thanks for having me over we've got our coffee the dogs are in the back room surprisingly quiet here we go was, uh, yeah. <laughs> peculiar was released on hellcat records a division of epitaph records in 2006 the record was recorded at both the dutch scott club ernesto's in Sittard, which is located in the netherlands and virgin city new jersey the studio of co-producer jeff king Django baker According to singer-keyboard player Vic, he's very clean about his productions, and I'm not. Plus, this recording was live and wild-sounding. So, he was a good choice to make it all sound cohesive and more like a studio recording, which is what we were going for. Vic recalled living down the block from the studio to be close by. He explained, Ara and I wanted the record to sound really wild, like Blood and Chocolate by Elvis Costello. That one's all live in the studio with no overdubs. That's how Nick Lowe does his own recordings, and he convinced Elvis to give it a shot once. I remember playing some of that while we mixed to keep it in mind. Could you even imagine trying to do just a straight live record? Oh my god. <laughs> I, I tried to talk us into doing it once with no intention. I mean, we got as far as the demos, but even like the live track <laughs> demos that we did. Yeah. And that was only four of us. Like, could you imagine oh, I know. With, a, with a room full of horns? You have to be spot to, on uh, and just nail it. The rhythm parts for this recording were laid down during a live performance at Ernesto's, the same place they cut 2000's Live at Ernesto's and 2004's Upset in Ernesto's, and then mixed at Version City. According to saxophone player Dave Hilliard, we started back in 2003, actually. The reason it took so long was the fact that we wanted to write and record songs that would jump off the disc. We wanted it to get some notice. We wanted to do an album that was more immediate, like our live shows. The tracks were recorded by Rob Dreisen, who had recorded their live records. 
About half the horns were overdubbed, and the rest were done live. The instrumental songs, Inwa Capo and Saran, were recorded live too. According to Vic, if you listen in the quiet moments, you can still hear the crowd on the final mixes. Though he did a pretty good job getting rid of the noise. And by noise, he's referring to the bleed from the other instruments and the barroom full of people. He joked, just remember that when engineers tell you about all the things they need to get a perfect sound. Vocal overdubs and some additional horns were added later in the studio. It's one of the things I like about this record is those live tracks. I mean, it, it's it's almost indistinguishable mm. when they start out. But yeah, he's right. And we'll hear it later when we listen through those. But mm-hmm. especially like uh, Sauron, that, that it's, it's got a stage sound to it. The rhythm section especially, you can hear that. There's like an echo to it, like a big sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's pretty awesome. According to saxophone player David Hilliard in an interview I found on caughtinthecrossfire.com, a couple of years ago we were in the studio and we were having trouble getting loose. So we decided to take it on the road for a while. When everyone's reflexes are good and they really know the stuff, and record it whilst playing it live in an intimate and comfortable setting. Vic explained that drummer Ara just joined the band and we were figuring out how to get the recording to sound more like his live performance. Bothered by the direction of the country was heading in, and irritated by people's apathetic response to poverty, famine, disrespect for people's way of life, the band set out to make strong statements through their music. According to the band, do not confuse volume and emotion. Anyone can make noise by turning the knobs of his amp without really having anything to say. We've talked about that in a, in a couple of different settings. I mean, you and I are both big fans of power punk. You know, you want to talk specifically about like political bands and and those that really have had a solid message for the past, I don't know, 30 years. Mm. Bad Religion is one of those. And those guys oh, yeah. know how to turn it up. They've also got a solid message. So it's not just, uh, oh, geez, I'm thinking about the political science class that I took at Westfield. <laughs> Set to music. The professor was was talking about, well, you know, political bands like Bob Dylan. And of course, like every kid in that classroom was like, What? What the fuck? No. But yeah, you, get, you know who's political? And the professor says, well, who's who's political? Rage Against the Machine. Uh, <laughs> and I said, well, yeah, but what's their message? And, you know, smart ass, me and, and friends of ours in the, in the classroom just kind of sit back, like fold her arms, like, all right, here we go. Let's yeah. see what, let's let's see what sorority girl's got to say. Let's hear this. She <laughs> couldn't come up with anything oh man it was just it was just quoting song titles well i know it sounds angry (laughs) it's well they're encouraging to rally around the family yeah Uh uh um but to that point when we get into the the listening later propaganda Mm. you're gonna hear that i was trying to think back to um to where i was what i was doing when i heard this record for the first time Mm. and that's it's actually not even the first thought that comes up it's exactly what you were talking about is what was going on politically when this record came out. Mm. It, was, it was hard to go back and think. Like 2006, when this was released, we were still in the Bush era. Yes, we were. We were still dealing with the uh, Iraq 1. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, well, I know. <laughs> Iraq 2, I guess. We're still in Iraq 2, aren't we? This is the band's first proper full length with guitarist Agent J. Nugent and drummer Arya Babajan. Mark Lynn, or Q-Max, as he's known, is listed as an additional player. Rather than a full-time member, uh, he quit the band soon after. Five songs also appear on the International War Criminal EP. Propaganda, Rider, International War Criminal, Keep It Simple, and Crazy. All except Rider are re-recorded. 
According to bassist Marcus in an interview on punkit.net, we've only made politically based tunes and socially conscious music. We packaged it all as an EP because we wanted to get it out in time for this election. We didn't think it made sense to do a lot of protest music and then release it months after the actual election. <laughs> so that's why we put out an EP as opposed to a record. We're working on a record and it's very close to being finished. But we figured the record will come out around November. And that's too late to affect the election. Not that we think we're going to affect the election. Just that if you're going to make a relevant point, you've got to make it when it's still relevant. According to Vic, the EP was meant to stand alone, but it was a kind of magical session, so we figured, why not get the songs out on the bigger release? We tried to beat them, but we couldn't. This explains why many of the songs on International War Criminal EP also turn up on Peculiar. All right, so Josh, I want to know, when is the first time you heard Peculiar, or how did you get into the Slackers? First time I heard this record was in my apartment in East Hampton over on... Center Street, I think mm. it was the first place I lived. This tiny little like one bedroom apartment. It's great. Sitting at the computer, probably two in the morning, probably slightly too very drunk. Um, <laughs> downloading this off the Apple iTunes store because that was oh, and yeah. still is yeah. the best way to get music at two in the morning sure. when you're slightly too. I very want it drunk. now. Bye. <laughs> That's where all of my money went. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, <laughs> just jamming to this record, trying to be polite to the rest of the people who lived in my apartment building and not cranking it as loud as I possibly could, mm-hmm. um, doing that damage to myself through the headphones. And the first thing is just all the great solos. And then probably about the fourth or fifth listen is when it started to sink in like, oh, hey, this record's about something. Mm. Thought-provoking lyrics. Who knew? Not me. I never pay attention to the lyrics the first time out. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that it finally came around. I'm glad that this record stuck with me long enough to actually do that. Mm -hmm. Plus, downloading music off of the internet, you don't get the booklet. So you can't really like read along the lyrics. Like I used to do that when I was a teenager. I used to just sit and read along. I think you and I were at the same time at the radio station in Westfield yeah. when we were in undergrad, um, WSKB, 89.5. <laughs> um, I had started... Proudly ignored by the campus of Westfield Most State. of them. <laughs> yeah, occasionally we'd get phone calls, but usually they were wrong numbers, but we'd take requests anyway. Yep. I started out, the first show that I had was with my roommate, and we had a, a ska, punk, jazz, funk. Oh, hour. I remember that show, yeah. That thing was fantastic, and we had two hours to fill and no idea how to fill it. <laughs> um, so we started just with what we had in our collections. I mean, he and I would just drag crates and crates of CDs mm-hmm. up from our dorm. Mm-hmm. We'd try to set aside like half hour for this, and then we'd switch genre, half hour for that, close it out with jazz. And we were always trying to find something that was going to transition us from propaganda <laughs> to get to John Coltrane at the end of the night. Like, we try to put an arc into it. The slackers sort of fell right into that, right around um, the scoff laws, Scovoovy, the Epitones. Nice. I mean, like, those those earlier straight ska bands that, geez, I don't even know how many of those guys are still around, still doing mm. stuff years later. Mm-hmm. At the time... We had just gotten a copy of the question that came out in 1998, so that was on that was on pretty heavy rotation. And after the couple of semesters doing a show, um, most of our executive board at the radio station graduated slash retired, um, <laughs> so we had to fill in a whole bunch of people. And I got the 
dubious title probably looks better on paper than anything else of like ska jazz director <laughs> um so yeah just it's a good to, title just trying to it has yet to do anything for my resume <laughs> um so yeah i started loaded up with uh with wasted days the question red light and then trying to dive back into their back catalog a little bit and i just really like their sound the 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 rock steady sound that these guys put out it was funny earlier you said something about how was it market no it was dave hilliard talking about trying to trying to get loose mm. i was like these guys have consistently been one of the most relaxed bands that i've ever seen on stage definitely yeah um, their live shows Oh god! It's, so it, it totally makes sense that if they were like freaking out in the studio and stuff is just not gelling right. Yeah, taking on the road because well, that's it's not their element. Yeah, their right, element is right. on the stage. Yeah, yeah, and I, I I love that about them. So the first time I heard the Slackers was on the Vans Off the Wall Sampler Ooh. that came out in 1998. It was a compilation CD on Vans Records, which was intended for the release of promotional music releases for the Vans Shoe Company. The comp was loaded with good music by the Bouncing Souls, Melancon, Strung Out, Hepcat, and the Dropkick Murphys. I was slow to warm up to the Slackers tune. It was an odd choice for inclusion on the compilation. The song featured was She Wants to Be Alone from the Slackers 1997 album Red Light. Yeah, man. And the lead vocals were done by Jeremy Mushlin, the trumpet player. I didn't care much for his voice and kind of just wrote the band off as a dull traditional ska band. I'm still not that wild about that track to this day, which is so funny because I love everything the Slackers have recorded. Like, it's hard to find a a song that I would skip. The band's lead vocalist, Vic, has such a distinct voice, but I didn't know this until I saw the band play live in 1999. I didn't realize that this one song was sung by the trumpet player and not the lead singer. Uh So then when I actually heard... (laughs) The band with their real singer, I was like, "Oh, these guys are pretty good." Kind of funny you say that because I was um, I was thinking about my one of my other favorite records is uh, is Wasted Days, mm. um, and same thing. There's a couple of those tracks that when I started listening to it, you're you're listening for for Vic. I yeah. mean, because he's such a easily identifiable voice. I mean, that dude, yeah, is his his Brooklyn accent, Got the Brooklyn accent, leads through, sounds um, cool when it's not Vic. My opinion used to be like, ah, I, eh, this whole record, I don't know if I like it. There's not. Yeah. Um, Sermon is one of those tracks that, that I think I was just listening to at the house before you came over. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing song, but it's like, it's just Vic back on the keys and you mm-hmm. kind of you kind of miss him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's grown on me for sure. And the rest of that record, I really like. But yeah, I could see what you were saying too about it standing out and not. Yeah, even with Hepcat on that record, that mm. sort of makes sense. But mm. yeah, these guys, with it sounds like everybody else who was on the Vans Warped Tour that summer. Yeah, it was. I thought it was a strange choice because like you're getting a, a song on a comp that's gonna be widely distributed, and you you choose a song that your trumpet player is singing. And so like I, I want to back up for a minute. I don't. It's not that I don't like the song, and I definitely appreciate it much more now right. that I've gotten into the band and I've kind of gotten more into their style. But when I first heard it. It just didn't wow me. It didn't really impress me that much. The, the guy's voice was just, I don't know, kind of raspy, uh-huh. you know. And I, I just didn't, didn't take to it. You know, I slowly became a fan. But when this album came out, uh, I was instantly hooked. I just loved the songs as a whole and the clean sound. 
If the band was looking to capture the energy of their live sets, they succeeded because it just sounds really great. Like we were yeah, talking yeah. about earlier, that big, uh, big room live sound. Yep. There were some complaints when the album came out that only half of it was new stuff. Uh, I had never heard the International War Criminal EP before I got this record, so they were all new songs to me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you ready to break this thing down track yeah, by let's, track? Let's do it. All right, first song, 86 The Mayo. Kicking things off with the upbeat 86 The Mayo. Right away, you can hear how the band seemed to effortlessly blend elements of reggae and rock. You've got the driving rhythm of the drums and Jay's guitar upstrokes, accompanied by Glenn Pine's trombone. So if you want to see me, I'm at the bottom of the stair. It's the place where no one looks for me. It's the place where no one dares. And if you think the times have been changing, it's anywhere but here. The lyrics kind of feel very Bob Dylan-inspired. And I can't say that I really know what this song is about. It seems to weave between political themes, congressmen and concubines all happy in their cage, and a feeling of being left behind by society. And your latest inventions have all left you feeling cold, maybe longing for better days of the past. That's what it kind of feels like. And I, I agree with you. It's a little like bouncy, I guess. Not just, well, I mean, obviously tempo and feel bouncy because mm-hmm. it's blue beat. So you got a little bit of that. Verse to verse, we're skipping all over the place. It's it's hard to get a, a feel for, and you're right, like the first 15 times I listened to this song, I had no idea what it was about. <laughs> and I mean, it's it really, from the title, you'd think it's just a song about ordering a sandwich at the deli, because you just <laughs> hold, hold the, the mayo. mayo. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what it's about. This song was recorded in an empty room at Ernesto's, probably before gig time. Vic described it as a long, skinny room back then. High ceiling, but higher in the back than by the stage. According to him, the room had great reverb on the drums. When you can hear it, that is. He pointed to this song as one of the tracks you can hear it best. Backing vocals on this song were done by Alex Desert from Hepcat. I had gotten into Hepcat around 1997. Tenor sax player Dave Hilliard was in the band Hepcat for their 1993 release, Out of Nowhere. I did not know he played with them. Yeah. Look at that, I've learned something today. All right. Another interesting note on this song is that the song first appeared along with International War Criminal on singer Vic's solo album, Alive at the Ladybug House in 2004. That is a fantastic record. We were talking about uh, just listening to, to Vic's voice earlier, mm-hmm. and that's uh, that record is just him and an acoustic guitar for most of it, yeah? Yeah, a lot of it, yep. And yeah, the, the songwriting, just the craft that this guy puts into to lyricism, into his songwriting to take something with the full band like this and to be able to strip it down to acoustic guitar, mm-hmm. like, co- I mean, and that record sounds like it's recorded at a coffee shop. <laughs> um, I would tip that dude. Yes. Yeah. Cause it, I mean, it's so good <laughs> and it's, it's hard to believe that it wasn't written for first for the band, you know, right. the way that it's, it's broken out. All right. Next song, Peculiar. I 
committed no crime But it seems that I have no place to hide I had a bad disposition and a pistol all loaded for suicide And though I didn't act, facts don't really matter This song pulls in a number of references to Brothers Karamazov by Fyodor Dostoyevsky, a Russian novel published in the late 1800s. Well, father was peculiar, and now the fruit, it don't fall too far away. So what's it to you? If he was here, I know he would say, no, he'd tell you, I didn't do those crimes you claim. No, he'd tell you, I didn't do those things you say. In the book, the father wasn't very bright. And ended up with three sons through two different marriages. He took no interest in these sons and did not raise them. I understand you've read this book. I, f- I feel like I've read the book. <laughs> I know I at least own the book. I think a teacher once told me to read it. I'm pretty sure that's why I, I think I had it like on a list of AP books that I was supposed to read at one mm. point. I'm sure I have a copy in the back room with notes in it. Mm. Um, I may not remember any of those notes. <laughs> that handwriting in that book may not appear familiar to me, but it's a good song. It's a great song. I always love when they pulled this one out live. It's got a great rhythm, and I recall at one show, they just kept it going while Vic and Glenn interacted with the crowd. I think maybe they closed with it. It was just like they were up on stage, like introducing the bandmates and goofing on the crowd. It was really fun. All right, moving right along to propaganda. This one is one of those that struck me as like, this is the Bush era. Yep. During the presidency of George W. Bush, there was this very real sentiment that the government was trying to use fear and paranoia to get people to fall in line and hand over their freedoms in the name of safety. Things like the Patriot Act, names like Operation Iraqi Freedom, and all of this business were designed to paint a let's go out and get the bad guys mentality in this country. And it worked. I remember the mid-2000s being a very weird time where a lot of people started questioning what was going on. Started looking at the news with its constant barrage of fearful news as a design to keep people fearful. Over a great reggae vibe, Vic sings, When the street sign posters are encouraging me peeping to report my local terrorists and the company they keep in. He's acknowledging that our society went from love thy neighbor to watch thy neighbor. When your congressman to your president are all businessmen just scheming, telling you who's your enemy and who's your friend, well, I'm not sure that I believe it, sings Vic. We were, we were talking earlier about, um, about the difference between Vic's voice and the songs. There's a couple of them that are, that are led by, like, Jeremy. This is one of those that's a, that's a Vic, for sure. Yeah. Um, but the rest of the dudes in the band can sing. The background vocals on this just get me. Yeah. Every time. I mean that propaganda. Sounds really good. Good oh. harmonies. And I love Q Max. Mr. Please. <laughs> <laughs> That's always been my favorite part of that song. Yeah. 
it's freaking scary. I mean, mm. the the radio chatter that they've mixed in in the background. That mm. I always love that that turning frequency dial on like the old radio, the old car radios, in, yeah. where it like, yeah, it's a cool effect. Um, but it it gives you that idea that uh, yeah, somebody's tuning in, somebody's keeping an ear Look out in a van. Yep, yep. <laughs> front of your house i picture like the uh looking out the front door of the simpsons house and just seeing that that fbi van that's so terribly labeled it's like flower delivery <laughs> but that's what was that's what was totally going on out there even if it wasn't actually there that belief that everybody was keeping an eye on us because we had to because your next door neighbor could be mm. the next 9-11 that's right yeah scary i mean it's still scary i feel like we're back there now but mm-hmm all right, next song, Crazy. Crazy. Oh. oh, I do love this song. I mean, I'm going to say that about every song on this record because I do love this entire record. <laughs> Eight out of 13 tracks on this record all start with drums. <laughs> and it's just such a good way to open up a tune. I mean, yeah, set the beat. It uh, beats the hell out of just the four stick click. He was definitely the backbone. He was definitely the... the uh... Rhythm Keeper. Yeah, so this is another one of those tunes that starts out with just that bananas drum fill. Here we go, fellas. A great traditional ska tune with a guitar and sax on the second and fourth beat. Trombone player Glenn Pine has a little room to shine before Vic's vocals come in almost a minute into the song. <laughs> he sings, Every day I'm living in a world gone crazy. 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 Oh. It's only making more pollution. Age-old borderline disputes. War for pride and retribution. Wasted life with no solution. Glenn can be heard trading vocal lines with Vic, which I think is pretty cool, the back and forth. As much as I love Vic's voice, I love it when they let Glenn sing a little too. He's got a nice, loud, clear vocal, and I feel like it fits nicely. Vic has this like laid-back Brooklyn thing like we were talking about, and Glenn is just this out in front, enunciating his words to a T. It's a pretty cool trade-off. Glenn is for sure in your face. And it's one of those things that I think comes through in live shows that they yeah. captured really well in this record. Is I mean, Glenn's standing up there front and center. Yep. Vic's usually off to the side with the, any number of keyboards and whatever. <laughs> um, Glenn is just in your face. He's blowing a trombone right at you. Yeah, if yeah. you happen to be standing. He gets in the crowd sometimes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've dodged his slide more than a couple of times. <laughs> um, but his voice, he's right there and he, mm -hmm. he dominates this entire song i love it yeah every time i see your face well don't you know that i can't stop thinking about you and every time i caught your stare well, I was thinking I can't live without you But every time I called you up Your daddy said that you're not home and Set the Girl Free this is, this is a song about pining after a gal Whose father won't let her out to see him 
But every time I called you up, your daddy said that you were not home, and I fear that you're sitting there just waiting in your room alone. He pleads for the father to set the girl free. So one of the things that I have always appreciated about the Slackers is that they're not just a ska band. Yeah. I mean, they started, I feel like my introduction to them was was in that genre and in that vein. Mm-hmm. But man, these guys can lay down some Motown. Definitely. Yeah, they kind of switch between reggae and ska and... Trying to think of even how they, how would they label themselves? I mean, I've seen like mm. various Facebook, Facebook, take two, <laughs> Facebook posts from these guys uh, promoting shows, whatever. I mean, they're constantly touring, so we're you're talking about it all the time. But they're Blue Beat. They're talking about ska. They're talking about reggae. They're talking about dance hall. Mm. Um, and these guys play it all really well. We haven't really talked about Agent J at all. Mm. Who I think um, the last show that we played with them, he had gotten sick like night before. So we, he was actually I like think a, he actually like broke his arm or something. Oh, was that it? He was and, biking. Yeah. Um, so we didn't we we didn't get to hang out with him, which is unfortunate because he strikes me as like the behind the scenes leader of the band a little bit. Mm. But the guitar sound that he's playing with on this track, we get away from that regular Scott mm-hmm. or even the reggae. Right. And he's just playing arpeggiated chords in the background. Yeah. Just real nice, real sweet, real tasty guitar. And it is, <laughs> it's like straight up Motown. It makes me think of um, like the early 60s stuff, like yeah, the Chantrell, like any of those real early, like all girl group bands. The dudes, just the, the Detroit studio musicians who were playing in the background, that Motown sound, just like that real deep reverb, that real clean guitar. Mm-hmm. And it's just so subtle and so tasty. It sounds good. I love it on this track. He must uh, like to do that stuff because I imagine playing upstrokes all night long <laughs> can get a little old. And so, you know, it's good to throw in a little variation. But yeah, it definitely has that like 60s rock and soul feel to it. Yeah, yeah. With thicker horn lines, you can almost imagine it on something like Phil Spector would do. <laughs> yeah, that's that 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 big wall of sound um, sort of production that mm-hmm. you can hear it, especially with the horns. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about overdubbing some of these horn lines. Right. I feel like these guys play so consistently well and so consistently in tune mm. that I I have a hard time telling where it's really overdubbed because they have that big sound to begin with and it's mm-hmm. usually it's just the two of them between dave and uh, and glenn mm-hmm. yeah it's pretty seamless and you know this is a short song but it's very enjoyable and it's a good you know departure from the reggae and ska sound of the record like you were saying you know one of the things that really keeps me interested in this band is their willingness to sort of break from the traditional ska or reggae style that they're known for every once in a while they'll toss in a soul sounding tune or a straight rocker I even heard them do a punkish cover of Attitude by the Misfits oh, really? when we saw them live last time. So that's pretty cool. You know, they're, they're definitely keeping things interesting. Well, and coming off this ballad, I'll call it the ballad. It's sort of like the ballad of the record. Mm. Into the next tune that I believe, if I remember correctly, this was like your son's favorite song <laughs> for like, what, the first five years of his life? Oh my God, yes. Oh. So, in Wakabo. You want 
recorded live at Ernesto's. This is a great instrumental track with the only vocal being the call and crowd response of the song's title. Yes. <laughs> My son Colin absolutely loved this song when he was four. Yeah, he just would ask for it all the time, would ask me to put it on. I think I've listened to this song an absurd amount of times <laughs> just to appease my four-year-old. You've got, the, you've got the same old school iPod classic that I do, right? Yep, I think yep, you can, with the spinny can, wheel. Can you still actually look up the stats for, for plays like oh, right on that? My laptop died years ago, oh, man. but it was, it was somewhere like in the 50s. Like the whole rest of the album was like in the 20s and then in Wakabo, like 50-something. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I've overplayed that one. But I never got tired of it. You know, I loved it. And he absolutely loved it. He even liked the In Walked Santa version they released for streaming a few years ago around Christmas time. It's basically the same song, but the vocal was changed from In Walked Capo to In Walked Santa. <laughs> and the solos take on a more like Christmas theme. But, you know, just a great instrumental track. I feel like, you know, in typical ska instrumental fashion, everyone gets a chance to show off a little bit. Uh, Vic is first up with the organ solo. Yep. Followed by Glenn Rock and the trombone. Sax player Dave Hilliard is up next, wailing on the saxophone and daring anyone to try to keep up from playing air sax. Air sax. Doesn't sound as cool as air <laughs> guitar, but I've definitely mimed playing the saxophone when this song has come on, like the car at a red light. <laughs> is that? I, I feel like I've pulled up to you and seen you doing weird things in your car. And now I know that you're playing air, air saxing sax. it up, maybe. Pointing at people and like, that's <laughs> <laughs> fine. I mean, I I will admit now that you've now that you've aired that, I can admit as a brass player, I would never play air saxophone, but I'm constantly getting caught by my wife walking around the house, air tromboning. Oh, nice! Didn't you try to start air bass once at a show? You were encouraging the crowd. <laughs> the only. All right, we'll we'll take this side trip. Sure. The only time that I think I ever encouraged the crowd to do anything and it paid <laughs> off was when I said, throw money, oh. <laughs> even if you've got change. And that was the stupidest that was the worst. thing I've ever done. Stupid. The whole rest of that set, we were getting hit with quarters. Just, like, with, we made a, like, a bunch of money. We probably got more cash chucked at us That's than we true. did selling merch. But yep, yep. good Lord, what a painful way to get I it. I still have dents in my SG from oh, man. quarters and nickels hitting my guitar at stupid 40 thing. miles an hour. <laughs> so I, I don't remember trying to get people to play air bass, but um, it could be a thing. It sounds like me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but getting back to the song, you know, just a, just a great instrumental. Uh, you got to have them. This band pulls them off really well. Like you were saying earlier, they are tight. They are great musicians. They know how to put together great instrumental portions to their songs. And in this particular song, they let really let those things shine. There's no vocals. Yeah, this is this is one of those songs that I love hearing live. I mean, obviously, if you're listening to the record, you're hearing it live. This is one of those tracks where it's obvious they didn't cut out any of that audience bleed. Mm -hmm. um, who knows? The engineer might have thrown mics in, so they're on purpose picking up crowd at this point. Mm -hmm. But this tune, it's a Glenn Pine tune. You can hear the the influence, and it's just these guys just blowing solos. Just and I love hearing it live because you get so used to knowing those solos note by note. Mm. I mean, you can whistle along, you can sing along with them. 
when you hear it live, it's all improvised solos, yeah. so they're totally different. Yeah. And these guys will just jam on one of these. I mean, this is one of those times I think like Vic has left the stage to go get a beer. Um, <laughs> all right, this song completes side A, or the first act as it's labeled. Kicking off side B, the second act is I'd Rather Die Happy, an acoustic tune. Set myself down Tuesday, wrote myself a song. Just things I want to say about what is wrong. But all of my complaining, well, it comes to no avail. Recorded at Version City in New Jersey, this is basically just Vic and a guitar. No horns or percussions, solos, or breakdowns. It's as if Vic said, hey, I got a song. And they recorded it in a take or two. They could have gone on one of his many non-ska solo albums, but they put it on here, maybe to diversify the record. It's definitely a nice start to the second act on side B. They covered Dylan as the final track, but this track is very reminiscent of Bob Dylan. He sings, I see myself a big long road, and I built myself a wall. I dig myself a tunnel so I could get on under and join the rest of the human race. Just ask why and wonder. I really like a lot of the lyrics to this song. He creates some pretty neat images and phrases. So I wrote myself a letter and I sent it off to you. Great songwriters can really pack a lot into what they're writing. Vic is no stranger to playing acoustic tunes as when he's not touring with the Slackers, he's out on his own. I think the guy lives on the road, basically tours year round. I mean, I hope he's not paying rent somewhere because <laughs> he's never home. I, f- I feel like I, I asked him about that when um, when we got to hang out with him after the, the show at Pearl Street that we played with them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I got an answer to that. I mean, I, I talked to him about the fact that, it, like, yeah, that either he's on the road full time with the band or mm-hmm. he's taking more gigs than everybody else can do. So just kind of filling in solo. Yeah. And I, I know he's got a place in Brooklyn. I know he had talked about that. But God, yeah, I hope it's tiny. And I hope that <laughs> <laughs> I hope that he's not paying a ton for it because, yeah. geez. He just lives to make music. I agree with your, your assessment about it being Dylan-esque. I mean, it's a good way to start and finish the, the B-side. It's kind of a surprise that it starts out. And I, I have to admit, I've never had a physical copy of this. Uh-huh. I've only ever had it digitally, so I don't know where the B-side starts. <laughs> um, it seems like a strange choice to start the B side. Mm. I mean, uh, kind of started off quietly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a good it's a good lean in. It's a little peculiar, you might say. <laughs> you start the B side with that. Um, Ooh, I think a, I think a lot of rock bands tend to to try to to make the first track on the B side as as close as you can to the the hit single because mm. it's going to keep you engaged. This tune settles you right in like it 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 makes me want to sit down in that that nice comfy chair i got over there Mm -hmm. and and just enjoy the next two minutes and 59 seconds of my life while i get to hear (laughs) talk about writing a letter to himself um at the same time i feel like thematically it it sort of fits it like shit's going crazy Mm. and take a break but yeah i i like the chill of this track for sure that kind of settles you in and gets you ready for the next song, which is my all-time favorite song on the record, What Went Wrong. Fearing my life, I saw must did you wrong From the road once again was driving us away I pushed aside the things that meant so much With the hope that you'll be happy someday I weary 
regret now like the lines on my face And all the day passes all night You don't cross my mind Could've raised the spirits of a broken Out of chance present since I'm with you you got to think for the Glen Pine tracks on this, huh? Mm. What Went Wrong was recorded in an empty hall at soundcheck time. This is definitely one of my top five favorite Slackers tunes, I think, of all time. Not just this record. I mean, it's my favorite song on the record. Maybe one of my favorite all-time Slacker songs. I love the rhythm and the vocal play between Vic and trombone player Glenn Pine. Glenn actually takes the lead vocal on this version, and it's super catchy. There's actually a more soulful version of this tune on the Lost and Found compilation of outtakes the band compiled. Have you ever heard that? I have not ever heard that. In my life I saw how stand you wrong From the road once again that's driving us away I pushed aside the things that meant so much With a hope that you'd be happy someday I went regretting like a line on my face Not a day the Lost and Found version has Vic on lead vocals. They must have done both so they could hear them back to back and decide which one fit better on this record. I'm actually not sure which version I like better. They're very different. The Peculiar version is a little more laid back. The Lost and Found version dropped the What Went Wrong vocal response in the chorus, which I really like. Either way, both versions feel like a great throwback in song structure to some of the great 60s rock tunes. We were talking about that earlier. That's such. A, that's another one of those good tunes that gets away from that just reggae beat and gets into that soul sound that these guys are just so good at. Yeah, smooth. All right, next song, Keep It Simple. I try to keep it simple so you understand. I'm giving all the love that I can. I'll try to keep it simple so you understand. This is another traditional ska tune that suggests, hey, I'm trying to be a good person in this crazy world. Vic sings about giving love and doing the best he can, but he sees the challenges that arise in life and he's trying to keep things simple. My favorite line is, well, you see my body floating on by. You can throw me down a reef. Then you can send my bleeding heart off to Washington. Attention, Commander in Chief. Wow! <laughs> I love that. He's saying, I'm a good person, and if this life takes me, it'll most likely be at the hands of our corrupt government. So toss my body on the desk of the president and let him see his handiwork. In interviews, the band have stressed the importance of not sitting idly by as terrible things happen in our society. The band decided that if no one else was going to talk about this stuff in their songs, that they would. They felt an obligation to speak up. In this song, Vic says, the only thing worse in the world, the whole wide world is another quiet man. And to me, that's the message of the album. Pay attention. Speak up. Don't be another person blindly allowing these injustices to continue. I don't know what you think, but they don't come across as being preachy. I don't get that at all. Mm -hmm. uh, you're right. Um, there's not a second on this record, and maybe it's my own politics, that I, I, I feel like... They are preaching like to the choir here. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> that whole idea that they're cramming it down our throats 
There is none of that because the grooves are so tasty. You can't help but to fall in love with the songwriting first Mm -hmm. and then sit back and listen to the lyrics. Mm. This whole album is one of those that, that hit me that way. Next song is International War Criminal. This is the big one. When I was young, all in, teachers taught me In the old books that there, Cold War bored me they said like dominoes this whole wide world could Just fall to pieces like they wished that old Middle East would But international war criminal Starts off with some rolling on the snare And then original guitarist TJ Scanlon drops in with some dual guitar action Rare for a slacker's tune A guitar line descends around the upstrokes The song is a slowed-down version of the EP version, which charged forward a little recklessly. There are also some slight lyrical variations between the two versions. The opening line, in the old days, was changed to, when I was young. Maybe making the song a bit more personal. Or maybe Vic just wanted to do the song more like his solo album version. The song actually first appeared on Vic's second solo album, Alive at the Ladybug House. In the second verse, Vic references finding Saddam Hussein. I heard they found one while in a hole, man. White lights crawling on his brown skin. A somber view of how violence and propaganda are used to direct people. Create fear in people, and they'll go along with whatever in order to feel safe. It's pretty nasty stuff. This song feels like a continuation of the ideas expressed in propaganda, which we talked about earlier. Who said Scott was always happy and upbeat? (laughs) I do like the slower tempo of this version. I yeah. think it, it lends a little bit more to the, the messaging behind it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That line that you quoted, the heard I found another one in a hole, man. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which is exactly how they found Saddam Hussein. Like, mm-hmm. pulled him out of a hole. Sadly, Arrested Development has ruined that for me. And now I can <laughs> picture is George Bluth down in a hole. So who is the international war criminal? I guess it could be... I mean, I, I would assume it's Bush and Cheney, but, you know, there again, that's the thing about writing political songs is sometimes they hold up, sometimes mm. they don't. Sadly, this one does, I think. Mm. <laughs> Sadly. It's such a great song. I hate talking about it. Great it, song, it but when you have to have... Yeah. yeah, when you have to be talking about people who are supposedly, supposedly having the best interests of their people in mind, right. but they themselves are international war criminals they're doing things that are illegal or doing things that are eventually going to cause more harm then yeah it's it's a pretty awful thing and uh it's unfortunate that we live in a world where people are so obsessed with power and wealth and accumulating land and and speaking of being obsessed with power and wealth there was one character in particular who was obsessed with ruling them all (laughs) ah see where i'm going with this Mm -hmm. sauron This is another one of those tracks. Man, 
the instrumental tunes on it. Sorry, I just spiked the shit out of your levels with yes, Sauron. Sauron. Um, I love the instrumental tracks on this. And this tune is such a jam. It's good. Just interspersed with little tiny J.R.R. Tolkien references. Look out, <laughs> hobbits. Look out, hobbits. <laughs> Starting off with a little crowd noise, this sounds like it was recorded live at a show. Probably was. You can even hear Vic's vocal trail off at certain points when he calls into the mic. It's an instrumental, yeah, and they must have felt that the live performance did a better job of capturing what they were going for than anything they could pull off in the studio. So they kept it. Why not? Throw it on there. Sounds good. It fits nicely with the live feel of the album. I love the way Glenn Pine is wailing away on this song, drawing responses from the crowd. As he plays that trombone. Oh God! The, yeah, just when it, I can totally picture too in these those little interjections where Vic's just leaning in real close, and then he pulls way back, and you mm. you just hear him watching him on stage, standing in front of the, the keyboard, just doing his. Real, yeah, I wish there was a video of this where you could just see that da- look up video of this dude dancing around. Yeah, because it's amazing. It's all over the it's stage, amazing. but he's he's so light. On the keys too, it's almost like this is one of those tunes where you can you can totally picture the way he's playing. Mm-hmm. It's like the keyboard is electrified and he wants to play, but he's just it hurts. So like the keys are hot, <laughs> and you can see it just bouncing off it, and all those little tiny interjections. No, it's cool. They're a great band to watch live. They are so much fun. And of course, Dave Hilliard wasn't about to let Pine steal the show. He comes in with this rapid fire playing, drawing even more crowd response. You know, it must have been really fun to, to play these songs each night. And like you said earlier in, in the first instrumental, just kind of like jam out and improvise and play off the crowd a little bit. I'm sure the solos were rarely the same twice. Oh, no, that. Uh... I mean, you're talking, this is one of those real, like, especially for Dave Hilliard, that dude was a, was a jazz player, mm-hmm. you know, and it, this is one of those real straightforward, just blues tunes, it's ABA format, mm-hmm. um, just going nuts. I, I love playing songs like this. This is one yeah. of those that I would love to somehow write an arrangement for the, this big band that I plan, because mm-hmm. it would be super fun. That just would be fun. You should do it. <laughs> Do you think these guys like com- compete with each other on stage? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, you've seen them ribbing each other back and forth. <laughs> but I mean, you get that, not only that, that competition and trying to outdo each other. One of the jokes that we always make, and to keep in mind, remember, I'm a trumpet player. Like that was, that was what I went to school for. Mm-hmm. Trumpet players have the biggest egos. Like we've, <laughs> we've got to be the spotlight. And I've always respected the fact that these guys, for, for most of the time that I've known them and I've followed them, a little bit like jealous, like, oh, why didn't they call me? Because I can play trumpet. But we go to see them and play, and I feel bad, like, oh, I should have brought my horn. Because I know <laughs> that they would have been totally okay with me jumping up yeah. on stage Come and playing. Come on up. But yeah, there's there's that that competition, but also that camaraderie. When you're playing back and forth and you're trading licks with the other dude in the, in the, in the band, mm-hmm. it's so much fun mm-hmm. and really the biggest beneficiaries are the crowd and you can yeah. hear the crowd just yeah they're having a good time this. i mean you talked about like the the call and response between um between the soloist and the crowd there's always somebody in the background just, Woo! <laughs> <laughs> so good 
it was such a such a solid choice to leave that that crowd noise in and help that live feel of this whole record yeah so it, good good atmosphere and i woke the dogs up again you i woke can hear the them. dogs up <laughs> all right next song i shall be released Final track I shall be released is a Bob Dylan cover and was recorded at Coyote Studios in New York. City Mills of the band Steel Pulse plays the organ on this track. The band was also joined by percussionist Larry McDonald, who was 70 at the time of recording. McDonald had played with Toots and the Maytels and the Scatolites, among others. It's a nice closing track to a great political album. It's a song about a man waiting in prison to be executed. It's a sad song because the man's reflecting on life and how he ended up in this situation. Believe it or not, the Slackers are not the first reggae group to cover this tune. In 1976, the Heptones covered I Shall Be Released as a reggae tune for the album Night Food in a Party Time. Mm. According to Vic, I'd heard the Nina Simone version of this tune years back and immediately heard us doing it. So, it was on my to-do list ever since. Also, just three chords. <laughs> However, Vic felt the recorded version for Peculiar wasn't what he'd hoped for, feeling as though the band does a much better version than the one recorded for this record. So I wonder why they chose not to go with a live version for this one. That's a good question. Probably had it in the can, and they were like... Yeah, I mean, there's there's any number of things that could lean into that, but this is... It's a tough tune. Have you, have you ever heard the Nina Simone version? Yeah. It's heart-wrenching. Mm-hmm. Bob Dylan writes a lot of heartbreakers. Yes, he does. Um, I mean... You throw the Nina Simone on it, though, there were some big shoes to fill. Mm-hmm. And to try to mm-hmm. do something like that live, I, I could see it. I don't know if after the energy that comes out of, like, in Wakapo and, um, mm. and Sauron especially, if throwing the crowd into this would have done it. And besides, I mean, if you're going to go to the studio and you got the chance to work with somebody who's worked with Toots and the Maytals and who's worked with the Scatolites... I would I would hold off, put the time out on, on the live recording just, yeah. just to spend some time with those guys. Definitely. Oh, a thousand percent. So who knows? It's, it's a good question. I do like the version of this. It is, I agree, it's a really good way to close out this album. Yeah, um, it wasn't what he had hoped for or they had hoped for, but I, I sure like it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I feel like it was a it was a good, maybe disappointing, but but a good decision overall. So my Pirate Press vinyl reissue that I have comes with an additional 7-inch record labeled Encore. On the first side is Rider. is a song about someone who has been swept up and carried off to war. Just one of many thousands of soldiers heading off to an unfamiliar place to fight, not in control of their own destiny. The rail 
is, of course, toward war. If you want my reasons for just why I joined the war, well, I'll tell you. I, I had to. Because when they tell you, son, stand up straight and take this gun. Well, they also point one at you. This, uh, this track reminds me a lot um, of that Bon Jovi cover that they did. <laughs> Wanted dead or alive? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit of a, of a stretch maybe, but I, I, I associate these two tunes and not just because I think most of the time that I want to listen to Slackers, I'm just doing stuff around the house and I want to put on like every record I've gotten, just throw it in shuffle mode and let it go all day and drive my wife crazy. Mm. So occasionally they'll come up back to back and it's, it, for me, it's almost hard to tell where one ends and the other begins. Mm. I mean, there's, there's such that like, I'm just a rider, rider on the rail and the, but yeah, I feel like that, I feel like that vibe is just about the same between these two, two tunes that like. Here's a, here's a guy on his own mm-hmm. going out to do what he's got to do. And in our case, you're you're shipping off, son. Good luck out there. Song's got a neat vibe. It's got the saxophone and sort of like wind sound effects to aid in that being swept away kind of feel. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's what it is like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. background vibe. Yeah. All right, inside B of the additional 7-inch is just a dub version of Propaganda, uh, which is pretty neat, but I've never I've never been uh, huge into dubs, though. No? Not really. I mean, I like it. That's not that I don't like it, but I'm not uh, clamoring for dub tracks. <laughs> <laughs> There's something to be said for that much reverb on a snare drum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's cool. It's definitely experimental, and the band definitely likes to experiment, so... I mean, I, I guess Vic's got nothing but free time to just sit in the studio and play with dub stuff. Or Jay. I know Jay does a lot of work with, with dub recording. Yeah. Um, he's got like a whole side. I mean, you talk about Vic's side job as a solo mm-hmm. performer. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Jay, I see, is, is like constantly out there either DJing shows or like curating stuff. I mean, he, mm-hmm. record stores is like his favorite place to hang out. Mm-hmm. I feel like between Vic just kind of living in a van and not having a or or in a tool shed down by the river. There you go. Ah, nice. is, uh, <laughs> I I feel like Jay just lives in record stores. Like he's just doing solo shows like that all the time. It's just spinning tunes. I mean, mm. the, the dude's an archivist. The, his collection is enormous. Mm. And I, I've seen him. A friend of mine from from Eugene, Oregon. Not that friend. Oh, another friend. A different friend. Yeah, we've got two friends in Eugene. Wow. What's up, Cyclone J? Um, <laughs> had, had been to a, a show, like a record store party where, where mm-hmm. Agent J was out there. He had no idea who the dude was. Oh, really? He, he wasn't That's into cool. the slackers. But That's yeah. Was, <laughs> was, you're, you're seeing who? You have any idea who that is? <laughs> All right. So uh, we are looking at the artwork for Peculiar. According to the band, we often have the feeling of being freaks as New Yorkers because we are really apart from the rest of the population of the United States. It must also be interpreted as proof that we do not take ourselves seriously. The worst thing for us would be that people take us for sinister beings. And as you gaze at the cover, you've got Vic on there with like his eyes whited out. He's got a collar on. <laughs> so the Slaggers have put together an album package that looks like an old-timey vaudeville carnival poster complete with sepia tones and old-style fonts. The record cover has a picture of trombone player Glenn Pine dressed in an old showman's coat and standing on a crate. 
In his hand is a chain that tethers singer-organ player Vic to his side. Vic is perched on a log with no shirt on. <laughs> he looks demonic with, you know, like I mentioned, the iris of his eyes airbrushed out. His hair is also cut right down to his scalp. I'm used to seeing him with that kind of shaggy mane, you know? Well, even that, I mean, you, you can't ever see the shaggy mane because it's always stuck underneath a backwards <laughs> pork pie hat. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a departure from their more straightforward uh, photograph covers of the past. Uh, the back of the record lists the songs broken into two acts, like I mentioned earlier. There are some old-looking photos and programs keeping to the theme of the carnival. Most of the photos uh, were done by photographer Jess Pakarovsky, with additional photos supplied by guitarist Jay Nugent. Eddie Ocampo put it all together for a really nice-looking layout. I think the best is the inside of the gatefold sleeve, where the band is pictured with curly mustaches. <laughs> it seems like bassist Marcus Geard liked his enough to keep it. Yeah, those dudes look weird with mustaches. I'm so used to seeing Marcus now with his enormous handlebar yeah yeah it looks kind of silly with the rest of these guys purveyors of fine musical curiosities yeah it's cool this is cool on the other side of the gatefold the songs are listed but it's part of like a narrative about how the peculiar musical experience will be presented they've worked each song into a sentence like wonder at the dizzying propaganda wheel as it twists your mind into knots and makes you unsure of even your own name and uh, the help to set the girl free from the percussive knife throwing of the wild Armenian babaroots. Listen as the mystical Swillhard will channel the voice of prehistoric demon Sauron through his saxophone. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. Something to look at, you know, while you're listening to the music. You just kind of like take that all in as you're enjoying the album. I, I feel like a lot of times uh album art and packaging can really aid to the experience of listening to to good records yeah i don't know I, looking at this i want this to be a tom waits record <laughs> yes definitely tom waits-esque yeah i can i can just hear glenn pine through that that megaphone mm-hmm. <laughs> doing the barking at the woo with the wife of the portuguese troubadour <laughs> oh, that's so good Coney Island for sure. Yeah, I can see the, the, the freaks aspect of this. In closing, according to bassist Marcus, we've never wanted to be a party band. We do have a good time. We do have a party. But we don't want to be like a frat rock party band. That's just not what we do. We've always felt that one of the unfortunate albatrosses that ska bands have to bear is this perception that ska is the circus carnival party music. And it's not. It's real serious music made by real serious musicians. So, of course, it's interesting that their record is packaged like a circus or carnival, (laughs) but I know what he means. The Slackers are great musicians who have chosen ska, reggae, and rock to get their message across. It's complex and interesting music. A lot of people I know think that this particular brand of ska, almost that two-tone style, is a bit repetitive, or that reggae all sounds the same. But I completely disagree. I mean, you can say that about any style of music you don't listen much to. To me, all country sounds the same. But that's because I don't listen to it. To me, the slackers are masters at what they do. Great, catchy songs with crisp instrumentation. The songs are thoughtful, and the sound they put out is unique. All their records sound different. For me, this record sits at the top. They set out to capture an energetic live sound, and they got it. Drawing inspiration from Elvis Costello's Blood and Chocolate record, 
to go with that live feeling and remind us that it didn't need to be perfect to be a cool record. They put forward all the best songs they had put together in the span of a few years and offered up an excellent bit of musical output. Is it too soon to call it a classic? I think realizing how long ago this record really came out, <laughs> that's, that's a very silly question. Yeah. All right, well, Josh, I'd like to thank you for, for having me out today to hang out and talk records, talk about the Slackers. Yeah, man, thank you for coming. It was, it was a pleasure to be on the show. Definitely. I appreciate the coffee. Thank you. Yeah, you got it. Uh, I'd like to thank Vic for responding to my emails and text messages. I'd like to thank the CaughtInTheCrossfire.com website and the Punkit.net website for additional information. And thank you, listeners, for hanging out and listening to us chat about records that we love, listening to us talk about the music that has shaped and formed our lives. Appreciate your emails and your connections via Instagram. Keep listening. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Jim. All right. Thanks, Josh. Uh, I hope you keep that in. I'm that was definitely a good one. keeping that in.